1: Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're tuning in, whenever you're tuning in to this episode of Equal Play. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm your host, Annie Costable, and this week I am so excited to welcome in a very special guest, one of my very best friends in the industry. We were young reporters in Mississippi before we were, you know, me at the the Sun-Times covering the Chicago Sky and her... Covering the NBA, a team specifically, and and doing so much more. With that being said, I'm so excited to welcome in my guest today, sideline reporter and host for the Charlotte Hornets, CMT Hot 20 correspondent, and SBC football host on CBS Sports, Ashley Shamady.
0: Yay! Oh my God, that was such a good intro. <laughs> I
1: mean, I have to it. shout out our humble beginnings. Because that is very much a emphasis of this podcast is, you know, not everyone coasts right to the top. And I think you and I are two examples of that. So before we get into your journey to where you are now, I guess this is the start of the journey. We have to start from the beginning. So when you were growing up in Georgia, what was your first dream? Like, was it to be a sports reporter? Did you always think this is what you wanted to do or what was that first childhood dream when you were just,
0: just a youngster in, in Georgia? First, I have to say, I'm so honored to be on your podcast. You crush it. And I've been watching (laughs) the sidelines and just waiting for the day where we could just, I mean, we talk like this in, person just you and I so now yeah. to be on the podcast together is so exciting so I'm well, so Well, I've been
1: thinking about it for so long like when I launched the podcast I made a list of all the people I wanted to have on it and I was like Ashley's got to come on because just knowing Love you so that. well and like your journey because there are so many or there aren't so many people your job is like a very high profile limited job there are only <laughs> 30 of them
0: and
1: mm-hmm. even less because not every team has a position like yours, Um, but I also, I was like, okay, I can't have my friends on right away, or I'm going to look like a loser, (laughs) like I can't get any other guests, so I I was like, I got
0: to wait, but I knew, I knew you were going to come on. I love it. Um, Okay, so to answer your question, yeah, no, I did not want to do this until, well, I started the dream of wanting to be a sideline reporter in the NBA when I turned 10, and I vividly remember this memory at being at an Atlanta Hawks game and you know I was there with my family and I remember just looking down and seeing the sideline reporter. Um you know it was probably a walk-off interview and I just thought that would be the coolest job in the world. <laughs> I have two brothers. So I grew up around the sport. Um we, you know, none of us played softball, baseball. Um my brothers didn't even really play football. It was just yeah. always basketball. So that's what we were always around. And I mean, big credit to my my older brother. Uh, My younger brother is eight years younger than me. So my older brother played and I would just kind of, we started on like a co-ed team when we were six and eight. And then um, the love sort of grew from there for the sport. And I was just always around it. But before that, swear I wanted to (laughs) deliver babies. Um, I was, obsessed. yes, I was obsessed with it's a baby sport. It's a baby story or my baby story on TLC and which is so weird because I'm like a nine year old kid, but I was just so obsessed with, like, I just thought it was the coolest thing ever to like bring life into the world as like, a no. I don't know where that came from. I was just, I mean, growing up, I used to love babysitting my like neighbor's kids and like my parents would, um, you know go and, and hang out with the other parents and I would yeah. babys- 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 babysit all the kids. So I'm wondering if it kind of stemmed from that. I used to like take care of my brothers a lot when I was younger. So I always had that mother instinct. I know. So I thought I was like, Oh my gosh, to be like a midwife. But I didn't really know what that a was. A midwife, not even an OBGYN. You were like, let,
1: let know. me go out here
0: and just be a midwife. Like that shit is hard. I know. I don't know what, I don't know. I mean, I just was always so interested in it. And then I slowly realized the amount of school that you have to do (laughs) to do this, not, not to be a midwife. I think it's obviously a little bit less years, but one of my best friends from college is now in her last year of residency. And to think that she has been in school and we have been graduated for as long as we have, I'm like, Oh my God, I <laughs> could never, I mean, she's crushing it and she's good, like she's literally an OBGYN. She is doing it, she's delivering babies, she's doing it all. But the thought of still being at school at this moment just actually pains me. So that dream was scratched. And then we turned to journalism and I, you know, I've always loved sports. A hard right, awesome. hard right to
1: journalism hard. from from midwifery to journalism.
0: Like, what? I know, I don't know what kind of child- wants to do that but man I just no. Obsessed. I mean
1: I think plenty of children think about that as a career all right maybe not <laughs> children maybe like high school I don't <laughs> I'm know it. I'm terrible in a crisis like the only crisis I can boss up and handle is like a work crisis I'm very proud of my abilities in like yes. a stressful work environment yeah but delivering a baby yeah, absolutely, cheers not.
0: To that. absolutely not cheers to you and that
1: dream <laughs>
0: Yeah. So then I never strayed from it once. I mean, when I was 10, literally, I remember saying that. And then I probably could have done more in high school with it. I know we had like a, um, a video editing class that a lot of people would take and I wasn't as involved. I mean, I played basketball in high school, so that took up a lot of time and I was like student government and stuff. I was just honestly trying to get into college and yeah all the extracurriculars and all the clubs and stuff like that. And so I got into Georgia, shifted my I mean in college like that was everything I covered so many sports just not even for class like I did it on the side and yeah. Georgia was such a great journalism school. Literally what I was doing my senior year of college called it was called News Source. It was like our student run broadcast. Um it was basically what I did in my very first job in Meridian, Mississippi. So to say that they prepared me, I is an understatement. I can't say enough good things about the program there. So
1: you know, the say I feel the same way about the University of Iowa and it's funny yeah. because class obviously you could take classes for video editing and, and reporting and and I was in all of those classes and I remember one time I was missing a Tuesday class or I was showing up late. And I told my teachers ahead of time, like, hey, your class is at the same time as uh, the weekly football press conference. I'm going to be late. And I feel like you have to throw me a bone here because you're teaching me about what, you know, I'm going out there and and getting firsthand experience doing. And so I think, you know, as far as Colleges go, and I know I'm just we're just talking about two here University of Iowa and Georgia, but the opportunities in college to actually test your love of this and also expand your knowledge is incredible. And that's yeah. why when you said, you know, I didn't think or I didn't do too much of it in high school, I almost don't think it's vital to not throw away your child. Like high school to me, I think is still such a young stage of life. That's when you should be dreaming about being a a OBGYN one day and then a journalist the other, you know, like take your time with it. And I think even in college, you could still be kind of testing the waters of what you want to do. Because like for me, I started in broadcasting in college and then completely went left. And now I'm a writer. So When you were in college, did you have any thoughts of, of going a different route in the industry or did you
0: always know broadcasting was, was what was meant for you? I was pretty, I mean, one track minded. I was like, this is what I need to do. I'm going to start in a small town. Um, hopefully be a sports reporter for them. I mean, at one point I was like, if I have to do news to get into sports, like I'm willing to do that. But it was pretty much ingrained in our heads, like freshman year, um, you know, you need to like start in a small town and work your way up. And I know things have changed a lot since then. Um, Not that we've been graduated for a long time, but I feel like now there's so many different paths to get to this position or where you're at. And it's not always that way. But I think I'm kind of biased in the sense of, you know, I feel like the the lessons and everything you learn from working in a newsroom is unmatched. Oh, it's not even like, yeah. And it's not all great stuff, but mm-hmm. and it's a lot of just, I mean, the sacrifice and the no pay. And I know there was like a trend going around on um, TikTok and Instagram or whatever about what, Sports reporters and anchors or news anchors were making their very first job (laughs) out of college, and it's like twenty thousand or less a year. Right. Full transparency, I made twenty two thousand dollars my very first job out of college, and um, it was it's just crazy. It's crazy like that you can actually get paid that and 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 they expect you to survive. Like that's what they expect you to live off of. So
1: before we get into your first job in Meridian, because obviously you know, like you said, the business is changing. A lot of people don't necessarily want to go to small towns, but there are huge benefits of of starting your career local before expanding to, you know, a national job like you have. So before you even got to applying, when you were still just learning your craft at Georgia, how competitive was it? Because (laughs) I think a lot of young reporters, either get fired up by that competitiveness, but some could maybe get a little, you know, a little taken aback by it. Mm -hmm. And I'm just wondering what your experience with competition was at an early age, early in your career at the university of Georgia.
0: Yes. So basically in our grade, we had two different new source classes of about Mm -hmm. 10, no, like 15 to 20 students. So there's like 30 to 40 of us total. Yeah, Not everyone wanted to go into sports, but a lot of people did. Um, and I remember our professor at the time hated sports and just thought that, I mean, day one, you came in and you were supposed to say like, oh, I want to go, I want to be a meteorologist. I want to be an anchor. I want to be a producer. I want to be a director, whatever it yeah. may be. And the people who said sports, we were literally shunned from day one. And I think he did that to to kind of scare us into like, this is so competitive out there. So if I can get you guys to, to break while you're here, before you go through all that, like I'm going to do it. And a lot of people did a lot of people were like, okay, wait, this isn't for me. Yeah. Um, but there were about, just in the sports field, there are about probably like seven or eight of us. Um, and so it, it was super competitive because when time, when the time came where we were applying to our jobs, Everybody knew what was like the openings that you know, the the job openings that were out there. So it's like we're all applying for the same, the same like thing. pretty positions in the in the US right now that are specific to sports. There were obviously a ton of like news reporter MMJ um jobs that were open, but just to be a sports anchor somewhere, sports a weekend sports reporter very few jobs and the job that i got meridian was actually I, I didn't realize i was going up against one of my classmates
1: have you gone back and watched
0: your first reel ever yes it is it is private on youtube as is other things i think that-
1: mine's still public on youtube oh i need
0: to look it no. up no no no
1: <laughs> I, I actually maybe have deleted it. I don't know. I'm going to look as soon as we're done recording because once this episode goes live, I don't want people to be able to go find it. I was about it.
0: to say, you better go check it before you decide.
1: I thought, Ashley, I thought when I graduated the University of Iowa, I was like, oh my God, let's go. Like, I'm ready. I'm like, I got this bomb reel. Let me send it out to everybody. I sent it out, like you said, to every opening position. I even sent mine out to for mmj positions and like outside of sports because i was like let me just get my foot in the door somewhere when i tell you (laughs) i didn't get a single interview (laughs) like right away the universe was trying to tell me girl you're like this is
0: what people need to hear though yeah
1: and the thing that cut me in the industry was like i knew i wanted to where i wanted to be i knew what i wanted to do so even though i kept getting all these no's i was like okay this is just a lesson this is redirecting me this is directing me somewhere else so when you got that first job in meridian was it an easy yes or were you hesitant what Um, were the emotions when you know all of a sudden it didn't go from being a dream it was real Right. But it was real in this very small town in a mm-hmm. state you know you you hadn't lived in before away <laughs> from home <laughs> and just a complete
0: like a culture shock essentially. Absolutely. The funny thing is, I applied to. Um, I got interviews with two different places. One was a a digital. it wasn't even, it was nothing on camera. It was with the ACC network when they were in Charlotte. So Uh I drove to Charlotte with, which is kind of like a weird full circle moment, but I drove to Charlotte with my mom and my younger brother and I interviewed with the ACC network, but it was basically, I was a like stat checker. Like I, I would, I guess I, I basically give them stats that they needed for their shows, stuff like that. So nothing on camera, that job I remember paid 40,000 a year. And I was like, Oh my God, I was like, mom, I'm going to be rich. It's Charlotte. That's amazing. And they told me it was down to me and one other person at the end of that interview. While that process was happening, I went to Meridian, Mississippi. I did an interview with them. The sports director, by the end of the interview, was showing me apartments around Meridian. So I felt like really confident. Yeah, we just hit off from we hit it off from the get go. Like he's still one of my greatest mentors. I talk to him at least a couple times a month. Like he's just the best, and so I felt pretty confident with that. But I was still like, it was like forty thousand or twenty thousand to be in Meridian, but like that was obviously on camera and all that stuff. And so the biggest blessing in disguise was the ACC job called and I didn't get it. And I was so upset. And I just, cause I had never really, that was like my first job rejection. Um, and I just was, that, that's like not even what I wanted to do. I just think I was like overwhelmed with being rejected. <laughs> and so I was like,
1: And like the dream you kind of build in your head. Cause before you yeah. know it, when you send that application out, and if you get an interview it just builds even more. Yeah. You start to create this whole oh my
0: God. dream I was like, of what it's start- going to be like. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And so then the next day I got the call from Meridian, that station, and I got the job and it was just the biggest, biggest blessing in disguise because I mean, Meridian, as much as like when, when I drove out there and like we had my car and my mom's car packed with stuff, I went to the apartment that I hadn't seen, um, until so I got there. And when she left and I was sitting in this apartment, like with no furniture and I was like, what, what did I just do? <laughs> I mean, I started to cry, but yeah. it was like, it was just that, you know, realization of like, okay, this is it. Like, this is the start of your career. This is what you've been wanting. This is where you knew this is where it was going to be and what it was going to be like, like, like I said, at, at Georgia, they, they, they pretty much were like, this is how you have to start. You have to make no money in a small town and you have to work your way up. So I just sort of listened to that. And which now, like we were talking about, I feel like not everyone has to do that, but, um, yeah, it was the biggest blessing because that was the best first job I could have ever asked for. It was, I mean, my sports director had been there for a long time. So he let me do a lot. It was where I, learn to interview and I was my editing and like storytelling skills and writing and everything like that. It was very hard, but it was, you know, such a small station that a lot of the employees there were kids just out of college or a couple yeah. of years out, all kind of just had each other. It was really just like, honestly, beautiful. <laughs> it was
1: a beautiful yeah. thing. So. Figuring it out together for sure. Yeah. So yeah. when your mom left, because that's a feeling I remember all too well. Yes. You know, being alone in the apartment, you're in this place, you don't know a single soul. It's just completely uh, like you feel like your world's been flipped upside down. How did you refocus and turn what felt like such a sad emotional moment into, okay, this is my time. This is, this is how it's going to start. I'm going to be fine. It's go time. I think I've always
0: been like that, like compared to my brothers, I've always been the one that was fine leaving home. And like, even though I didn't go far for college, I still left for college. And like, yeah. I, I mean, it just, it was never really um, like, oh, I don't know if I can be away from home, which there's no problem with that. But it's like, I just always was the opposite. So I think it was kind of like, okay, let me have this moment of, let me just cry it out for a second. Like I'm away from home. I'm starting a real job. And this is on the path to what I hope, you know, leads me honestly to what I'm doing now, being a sideline reporter in the NBA, like that is where it was go time. And I just sort of knew this is what I had to do. And I had like tunnel vision, like my blinders on, I was just like, this is go time. And I just put my head down and, and worked. And, um, as you know, we did that for a couple of couple years in yeah in Mississippi. So it was just something that I knew I had to do. And, you know, the station and the people there were incredible. They were so welcoming. They, I mean, they knew that a lot of us weren't from around there. So the Thanksgivings and Christmas dinners that I spent like at the TV station, which I know yeah. sounds <laughs> it's like, it's so nice. Uh, it, yeah, it was, it definitely helped uh, enjoying the people that you work with for sure. Yeah.
1: So you didn't jump from Meridian to, you know, Atlanta or you know, Memphis or, or, you know, another, you didn't make a huge jump. You went from Meridian to Jackson and that jump, I think maybe seems small, but actually is pretty substantial. Jackson, even though it's close to Meridian and it was a
0: hundred yeah. mark. Yeah, for sure.
1: So what was the process of making that jump? And did you feel, did you, did you feel at all? Like you, not that you were taking a step back by any means, because clearly it was a step forward, but because it was so close, did you have to, I don't know, again, like change your mindset and, and tell yourself reaffirm
0: that you were still on the right track. And how did you do that? You know, I was not looking to stay in Mississippi, not that it was bad, but obviously I was like, ready to go somewhere else to be out of Mississippi to the next step. But they had approached me, the station in Jackson. I mean, it was, it was a kind of a win-win. They were like, she knows the area. She knows the sports. She's, I mean, this is going to be a no brainer. And so I think it was a little bit like they had, they had approached me before I was even like ready to, to go, um, for like my contract was up. And so in my mind, I mean, it's like, okay, there's a job that's going to pay you a little bit more and, um, and, you know, take it while you can. It's another sports job. Like, I think that was kind of my mindset. I was like, okay, I will do this. I mean, I can't even remember like thinking back. I don't even think I thought twice about it. I was like, okay, like this is another sports job. It's a hundred market jump. Like I'm going to make 10, I think I made like 10 to 15,000 more dollars. So I was like, okay, that's going to be great. Jackson's a little bit bigger city. They actually have like a Kroger um, and a Target. (laughs) So I was like, oh my God, sold. Like, let's go there. And so um, I signed another two-year deal. And then, so I was Mississippi for four years. And I mean, obviously that's where I met you. So that's amazing. I met some really wonderful friends. Um, It was, it was really different because in Meridian, we had no competition there. We were the only station. And Uh then in there was three stations. So there was actual competition to like break a sports story, like get the best interviews. So that was just a whole different world, honestly. Um, Having to just like navigate having competition because in Meridian, it's like, we'll get to it when we get to it. Like there's (laughs) no, no, there was just no time crunch or anything like that. So, Oh
1: my God. I can't imagine telling my editor like, Hey,
0: yeah, I'll get to it when I get to it. Like, I'll get to it when I get to it. Isn't that wild? Like, I think about that sometimes, which I think they've added a TV station since then. But when I was there, it was just us. So we covered everything. And we just did it with no problem. And yeah, it was definitely a different world. So Jackson um, threw a wrench in things a little bit just in in that sense. And it was a lot more eyes on those newscasts. Totally. Cover a lot more. And there were... a lot more like requirements for high schools and stuff like that. So it definitely was a a good jump. And, um, looking back, like, I'm, I'm glad I did it for sure.
1: I would not, uh, undoubtedly, I would not be the same person I am if I didn't take that risk and, and go completely out of my comfort zone into a position that I truly never, never thought uh, whatever be be mine. I never thought in a million. Can I years. just say, when
0: you came to town, everyone was like, "Who's the northerner that just like dropped herself into Jacksonville?" <laughs> we were like, "Oh my god!" And then people were like, "Oh, she's really tall." Like that's what I heard about her. Like, and you were filling in because Courtney had left. You yeah. came after, but like Courtney was so beloved. Um, and she's oh absolutely- my, and we were just everyone's like. Who's Annie? Who's this Annie girl? Like, what's she doing? But then, of course, I remember. I'm. I'm pretty sure it was like the first time we met, where we were all like, you had come out with some of the people from. I think we the went
1: to Fondren Public, right? Is that a bar? Hey, God,
0: that's you. Yes, I think that's right. I, I lived like, around the
1: corner. I lived on.
0: God, what was you it had a Board sick Street? apartment. Yeah, you had a really cool apartment.
1: I remember I got there from Chicago, which. um You know, my path in the journalism industry, I went from Iowa and it wasn't because I didn't try. I was down. I was ready. I was mentally, I was like, I'm going to be in a small town. I'm ready to go. Yeah. That turned into me spending four years freelancing, doing different broadcast work and writing on the side before I got this job in Mississippi. But right Mm -hmm. before I even got the job or even applied, I remember I got coffee with Courtney and she was telling me about this job in Mississippi that changed her life and how it was so challenging, but so rewarding and all these positive things, how the state of Mississippi changed who who she was yeah. and, and everything, like how she loved Mississippi. It, it it became part of her soul. And I was like, listening to her talk, I'm like, gosh, this sounds freaking amazing. And yeah. I remember... Not kidding. Two weeks later, three weeks later, looking on Indeed or I I think it was Indeed. And the job she was describing was available because I didn't take over right after her. We had one person in between us. So the person who took her job then transitioned to covering Mississippi State. Yeah. Long story short, moved to Jackson. And yeah, I remember people. (laughs) On Twitter, uh, tweeting at my editor, like, this Yankee needs to go. We don't want her here. Like, that was my first time dealing with uh, haters. And you know me. Like, I, (laughs) I have a hard time holding back. So I was, like, popping off left and right at all these people before I was, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You are here to do a job. Like, don't let anyone, don't let anyone mess with you. But that job in Mississippi, like you said, had a ton of challenges. Obviously we were in in two different roles, but did you, did you give yourself a timeline of like, I have the goal of being here X amount of years before (laughs) I take that big step? And how did If so, how did your life not exactly go according to that plan? And how did you adjust?
0: Right. Um, So I had signed another two-year deal. And I remember like a year into it, things were getting rough at the news station. I'm not even going to lie. Like there were a lot of tensions. The person who wanted the sports job, like the job I had, he didn't get it. But he was still working news at the station. So from day one. And it was crazy because like as soon as I accepted the job and basically was there, my sports director was like, I just want to let you know, like this, um, guy that you work with now here, he works in news. He applied for your job and like, didn't get it. So he is salty and he was out to get me from day one. I did. I mean, obviously I didn't do anything wrong. Like I had no idea. So tensions were high from day one, um, just with people there. And I'm like, I was not confrontational back then. Like now I'm a little bit more stand up for myself. You taught me so much about, not that this needs to be like a soapbox, but like about standing up for myself because like I was saying, that was, things got really tough at that news station for after about like a year in. And it was just, became like super toxic there if we're being completely honest. And I just wasn't good at dealing with confrontation like that. And I just, like we used to have talks about, standing up for yourself and so um it's hard yeah.
1: it's a hard lesson it's, to learn and yeah. I'm glad you brought that up because especially as women in this industry a lot of the times who you're standing up for yourself against are men and yeah. I remember oh I'm going here <laughs> because this still to this day fucking irritates me wait so. what are you about
0: to say I'm like wait
1: <laughs> oh one of my responsibilities i i was in charge of the dandy doesn't remember and yes this coach i'm not even going to name him because yes. he doesn't deserve to be named but he it. he was unhappy with what my selections or one of his players was left off and so he the for the following month put out his own dandy dozen to drag yes. me And it was just like, I was like, you are not, you're not going to phase me. Like, I'm still here to do my job and I'm going to do it. And I'm still going to show up to your practice and I'm still going to walk into your office and I'm still going to talk to you because whether you disrespect me or not is not going to impact how I do my job. But again, that can be a really nerve wracking thing, especially if you're the only woman in the space and you have yeah. to do that so how did you talk to yourself through those moments and and yeah encourage yourself through those moments because listen who, whoever's out there listening there's gonna come a yeah. time when you're gonna have to stand up to the man whoever that man might be and it's not gonna be easy so yeah how did you approach those situations when oh they my came up it-
0: it was so tough. There were just a lot of days where I was like, mom, I don't know how I can do this for another however long, like six plus months. I just remember when it was getting down to the wire of my contract ending was when it was really bad. And I was like, and you know, not to get too much into it, but it was just other people were unhappy at the new station. And I felt like I was being dragged in because of it. And it was just like other people were trying to prove a point And we had a really toxic, like, news director situation and it was just oof, it got bad. And I I honestly I think got through it because I was like a countdown. Like I'm leaving I, I told my mom I'm like, in my mind I could never leave somewhere unless I had another job because, yes. you know, I didn't have enough I didn't have any savings. Like I couldn't save any money with the salary that I had. <laughs> so I yeah. was like, I don't I mean luckily I have a mom who would have, I mean, I could have moved home and figured it out. But I was like, mom, I cannot If I don't have another job, like I I have to leave, I have to figure it out, whatever it may be. And so I just remember having basically a countdown of like when I could leave. And it wasn't, it wasn't the job specific. Like I loved what I was doing and the storytelling aspect of it is something that I still miss in what I'm doing today. Like I don't, you know, get to really tell stories like that anymore, but I loved that part of it. And I think that's really kept me going just knowing like I was still in something that I love to do. And despite all these like outside factors, it wasn't gonna stop me from, okay, this is what I set out to do from day one since I graduated college. Like this is what I told myself I had to do.
1: How could you tell, or how how do you tell the difference between a challenge and Mm -hmm. a toxic situation like you were in?
0: Um, I think just because in my mind, I was like, okay, do you still love what you're doing? If, if for some reason I was like, you know, so unhappy with the actual job itself, I think that would have been a, a, like a light bulb in my head. Okay. Are you doing like, are you in the right field still? Like, is this what you're cut out for? Like, is this what you, and I am, I, I feel like I am a really strong minded person and I can get through things like that. But I remember telling myself, you know, if you wake up and you're not like, not every day was great by any means. Like I didn't want to go to work every single day, but the actual job itself, the anchoring of the shows, the interviews going to like covering football games, high school football in Mississippi is unmatched. There is just nothing. unmatched. I still remember
1: my first game oh my and God. I almost missed the death, oh. my deadline because I was like, so caught up in halftime and yes. I was talking to all these people, my first, and it was like a rematch of Clinton and it was a rematch of the, previous year's state championship
0: i like think cam acres Akers. Cam Akers,
1: like yep yes shout out and to so, cam cam was the first story that gosh. i ever got yeah. to got to write so yeah. totally oh my god and that is sports in its just purest form it's it's mm. like
0: what you read about what you see in movies is what we like got, got to be a part of that, like That's what I like. That's when I know I am. There's nothing else I would rather be doing. I still get such like high from good sports, like a good game, whatever it may be, or like you said, reading about it, or watching it, or uh, anything. Like the the underdog story, like the come from behind win, the overtime victory, the game winners, like that stuff gets me so fired up. And I hope I hope it doesn't go away for a really long time. Like I work with people now who have been doing it for a really long time. And I swear, like, I will turn to them and ask, like, are you nervous about tonight? Like, I feel nervous about tonight. I just want to win. And they're like, well, no, I don't feel nervous. And I'm like, God, I hope I never stop feeling nervous about just like getting a win. And it's just, there's just no other feeling. So I feel like that keeps you going. And if you have those just internal, like joys of what you loving, what you're actually doing, then you're in the right business.
1: Yeah. I remember when I decided had this j- dream to become a journalist, it just, everyone was like um a lot of people struggle with the idea of what they want to do with the rest of their lives. And I remember having a really easy time. Yeah. You know, with this dream, because I guess not with making it happen, but with discovering what I wanted to do, because I just stopped and thought about what made me happy and, yeah. and, how I could turn that into a job. And I think part of always finding that inspiration, that joy and that fire and and having that fire, you know, be sustained is like rolling with the changes of your career, you know? You started in local TV and now are working on this national stage and who knows what, what the next chapter of your life will entail in this industry. It could be the same position for the next 25 years. It could be, you know, another lane of the industry that that you don't even see yet. But yeah. that that passion with storytelling is what yeah. is still at the root of it. And I think that's so special. And so when you took that risk of, you know, whether I have a job lined up or not, I I know this is this is I, I need to be open to this next chapter of my life. How much did that feel like a risk and, and were you really willing to, to get out of the business if you didn't get a job right then?
0: I was definitely not wanting to get out of the business. I was just like, if I have to go live at home and like job search again, then I can do that. And I felt like I'm I'm not like I was going to be determined to do, I don't know. I was just still very determined to get to where I am today. And like, mm-hmm despite some of the factors that I had to deal with, like in Mississippi and and the hardships and all that stuff. It's like, and I tell people a lot now, you know, if they ask about how you get to this job or whatever it may be, I'm like, you need to prepare to sacrifice so much and have the mindset, like, do not stop until you get to where you're going. Because everybody in the world is going to tell you no. And it's like, you just have to, keep going, like keep, keep fighting. Going. Keep, yes. Like everybody's going to tell you, no, like there's going to be rejections. There's going to be different things in your life where like you, you know, that are going to say like, you can't do this. And so I just think the biggest thing is like the perseverance of it. Um, hundred percent like helped get me to where I am. I was driving back from my brother's, like I, I didn't have a, like, you couldn't really take a lot of time off. If anything, I had two days, which was my weekend, which was Monday and Tuesday, but I had taken off for my brother's wedding. And like, of course they, I was like, it's my brother's wedding. Like I have to go. And so I remember, um, Fox sports in Atlanta. I like was kind of talking to them a little bit about the position they had open. And I was like, I was the one who was like, Hey, like I'm coming home. This is like very rare. I can't always do this, but it's in Atlanta. My brother's getting married on my drive back into Mississippi, like, can we meet then? And they were like, yeah, that's perfect. Blah, blah, blah. And that was basically my interview. Um, So I remember it was Monday and I was going to drive back to Mississippi that night. And I stopped in the office and I did like an interview and I was just, oh my God, I was like a bundle of joy. I was just like, this is just so exciting. Like this is a network and it was for a digital reporter position with them, but just like to be able to come back home and, to work for a network, like get your foot in the door in any way. I was like, this is Done. so, yes. Done. So, Um, and small world, once again, like once I got back to Mississippi, I don't know if it was like a week or whatever later I found out, I got the job, my roommate who, I mean, she worked for the stage, the competing station. We were, we're great friends. We're still friends now. Like, but I had found out, she applied for the job too. And the only reason I found out is because we were in our kitchen, like cooking dinner. And I was like, "Rage! like I got another job. And she was like, wait, what? Like, what's the job? Like, because it was one of those things. And I know you can attest to this, Andy, when you are in this business, even now, it's like you have friends in this business and it's a little bit different with you and I, because you're in print and yeah. I'm the broadcast TV side, but like this, my like sideline reporter friends or like friends that are on the TV side in this business. It's like, you're all friends and some of them, you're more friends than others, but like you're all acquaintances or friends, but it is always a competition. Like you 100% are all going for the same types of jobs all the time. And I experienced that from that moment of my roommate applying for the same position, we did not talk about like where we were applying, what we were doing. Like, it's just like one of those things, cause we knew we were both applying for the same thing. So we just kind of decided not to really talk about it. And that's something that is a challenge too, because you just meet women in your field that like you want to root for them, but you're also going for the same jobs as them. So, yeah.
1: And I think, and this is something that, again, when I was in broadcasting, I struggled deeply with, and there were so many times when, you know, you mentioned the perseverance it takes. I, I thought about quitting so many times and I luckily had a really good support system around me. One of them um, was my best friend at the time, and she, anytime I came home and was like, I had my head hung, or was like, I'm done, fuck it, I'm gonna get into PR. <laughs> like, you know, I feel like the out was always like, oh, I'm gonna get into PR. Like, I'll just, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'll, I'll be the I'm gonna work for
0: a sports team. Like, I'm just yeah, gonna do just like you had
1: in your mind like what the exit plan was. And anytime I had these conversations, she was like, are you kidding me? Like, absolutely not. Absolutely not. So what that taught me, one, was the importance of perseverance. But also once I I think once I I made such a, a big transition or what felt like a big transition to me, it taught me that we all have very, very unique abilities. And what makes you great does not take my shine. And what makes you great does not take Rachel's shine. Like we all have this path that we can't even see fully. And if we spend too much time, me trying to be like you, or you trying to be like Rachel or Rachel trying to be like me, we're doing ourselves a disservice. And we're also, we're also holding ourselves back from finding that true flow of being on the path that's meant for us. So, you know, even that competition you're describing, it's, it's, you're right. It's real. And it's important for, for, I think, young listeners to know, like it's not all rainbows and sunshine and, you know, you are going to have friends who you go through ups and downs with because you're learning that process of balancing competition with friendship but at the end of the day, just no, a no for you does not mean you're yes. not meant for this. A no does not mean that the yeah. door is closed. It's, it's, tr- it's so cliche. And I said, I hate that I'm even about to say it, but one closed door is the opening of another no, one. No, it's so true. It's and so your true. job is just to figure out what, what that other door that's open yeah. and, and, and what the lesson I'm, is.
0: Yeah. I'm 30. Like. yes, I work in the NBA and there are, you know, 30 other sideline reporters, if that, like you said, not all teams even have them. And it's like, we're freelancers. So we're doing other jobs too. Like I do a little football, I do a little this. And I still very much experience that with my peers today. And it is, it's very challenging. I'm not going to lie. Like I, I try not, I don't like to talk about work with like my work friends because I, I don't know. I just. I just feel like it's one of those things where, like you said, like everyone has their skill set and like a no from one person, or like the fact that I got this opportunity or they got this opportunity and I didn't. It's so hard sometimes to be like, oh, well, why didn't I get this opportunity? Mm-hmm. But it's like, and I feel like I preach that to people, but I also have to remind myself, like, that's okay. Like, you're not going to get everything that they get, vice versa. Like, it is, it's okay. Everyone will get to their next step you know, the way that's right for them. And man, it is still relevant today. Like I, I, I feel that more than anything. So it's just important to remember that for sure. I know. I think the
1: older you get, the easier, it just gets to coach yourself out of those moments versus like really needing to rely heavily on other people to coach you out of those moments. Like, like you said, just because you're 30, I'm 32, like just because or at this age doesn't mean doubt doesn't come in or concerns sure. about the future don't come in. It just, the more repetition you get, the better you get at, at bringing yourself up to, you know, a clear eyed view versus yeah trying to see yourself through the fog of, yeah, self doubt and criticism and all of that. So when you transitioned to, you know, back to Atlanta and I'm yeah. um, working, which it, now it's ballet sports. How did that job <laughs> move into now this job? Because it wasn't, you didn't leave Mississippi for no. the job you have now. It yeah. it became the job you have now. And I asked that because I think a lot of people don't see the full opportunity and maybe we'll say no mm-hmm without understanding, like you have the power to cultivate this position into what you want it to be. And I know that's what happened with me at the Sun-Times. Mm-hmm. And even you yeah. talking about being proactive of, you know, going in and and having the interview when you yeah. were back in Atlanta, that's such valuable advice. I did the same thing. I was back in town in Chicago for Christmas and I reached out to the Sun-Times and was like, hey, I'm back in town do you have time to meet? And that Mm -hmm. turned into an interview. They didn't ask me to interview. They didn't call me while I was in Mississippi and say, we want to interview you. I put myself in that position. So anyways, long story short, how did you take one opportunity and turn it into
0: your dream job? I knew, you know, in my mind, I was like, from local news, the next step is a network. To me, it was like, that was the path I need to go next. So the, the job with Fox sports South I thought was so perfect. No, it wasn't necessarily on TV. It was a new position as basically they needed a face for their social media and Fox sports South at the time, Valley sports. Now they covered, you know, two, three NBA teams, uh, two hockey teams, the Atlanta Braves. And I was like, Oh my God, this is great. Like even, it's, it was still interviewing, but it was for social media, but they, you know, had a really good following and I was like, they obviously employ the reporters and everyone for those teams. So in my mind, I'm like, oh my gosh, if I like, this is perfect. Like my foot in the door, this is, you know, and I remember I got there June of 2018. And one of the first things I got to cover was the MLB all-star game in DC. And then I got to cover Chipper Jones being inducted into the hall of fame in Cooperstown. I was like, they sent a photog with me and I was like, I don't have to carry my own camera. Like, oh my was- God, I remember you telling me about that. You were like, oh. I didn't have to carry my own stuff. That was my, I was
1: like, Mom, or I even made- setting up your own camera and talking to yourself. Oh. I remember feeling so awkward when I would yeah. be one man banding it because I'm like, I look, yeah. I look like a fool out here.
0: I mean, it was just, yeah, the live shot, like plugging it in and making sure you were not blurry, like everything. Yeah. White balancing, all that stuff. All of it. So that was, that was amazing. And I did that for a couple months and I was fully like, oh, if I, you know, have to do this digital reporter thing for a couple of years, like whatever it takes, I feel like I'm in such a good place. I'm in Atlanta. Like, this is awesome. I get to be with my family. Um, But lo and behold, there are other plans for me because they, they kind of knew that they they asked me like during my interview, what my dream job would be. And I told them obviously about the NBA. Um, I love basketball, all that stuff. And so when the opportunity came up that they needed a host for the Charlotte Hornets, uh, just their pre and post game show, I would drive up to Charlotte for the home games do the pre and post game for their home stretches. And then when they would go on the road, I would go back to Atlanta and do my like digital job. Um, when they approached me with that, I was like, Oh my God. And they knew that, you know, that's something I wanted to do, but I tell people a lot like, yeah, they knew I wanted to do that, but I, they also knew I was ready for that opportunity. Like, I don't think they would have asked me if they didn't think I could do it. They didn't trust that you could do a great job. Right. Right. So yes, I was kind of in the right place at the right time, but also they knew that I was ready for that. And then the same goes. So I started doing that literally a couple six months into my job with Fox Sports. And then their sideline reporter, who Stephanie Reddy, who's with Turner, she crushes yes. it. She's incredible. Um, she had been there for 10 years. So like in my mind, I wasn't even thinking, oh, I could be the sideline reporter for the Hornets. I wasn't thinking that at all because I was like she's been there for so long. Like this is her thing. The Like this is her niche. She's here and this is what it's going to be. But in my mind, I was just so grateful to like cover an NBA team, even hosting the pre and post game show and just being around it. I just was on cloud nine. So in December, then um, like the seasons started October, I started doing that for a couple months. And in December, when my bosses called me into the office, um, I thought they were just going to like say, Hey, you're doing a good job or like, whatever, give me critique on what what I was doing. They dropped this bomb that Stephanie was leaving. And I, I will never forget this moment. I had brought my mom to the office because I wanted to show her what my desk looked like at the Fox Sports <laughs> office in Atlanta because she had not been yet. And so I like, that's how nonchalant I thought this meeting with my bosses was. I was like, Oh mom, I'll be in and out in like five minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I sit down and I swear, like my heart stopped. Like I was, they looked at me like, are you ready? Are you for okay? this? And I was like, I was like, just, I, I can't like, I get chills just thinking about it because that was the moment that like, like rewind, I like cry thinking about it. Cause like rewind, you know, Being dropped off in Meridian, and like the moment I'm sitting on the floor with no furniture, I had a mattress, and I'm like crying, and I'm like, what am I doing? And then that was the moment that I felt like I had worked all this time for. And oh my God, it just, it still gives me chills when I think about it because I just appreciate it so much. And even today, like this is my fourth full season. And I love it and I appreciate it so much. And I just, I will never take it for granted just because of everything that I did and worked for to get here. Um, and so I packed my, they were like, okay, like she's leaving in two weeks, like pack your bags. I lived in a hotel that whole season. Oh, wow, um, I didn't know you lived in a hotel. And Annie, I didn't live in the same room. Like I had to check out every week. Oh All my I- gosh. <laughs> Like my first question to them once we like got through the shock of it all, I was like, wait, but what about my clothes? And they were like, what do you mean? I, I went to TJ Maxx. I bought three of the biggest suitcases I could find. I packed every fancy piece of clothing that I owned from my Mississippi days, like everything that I would ever wear to anchor in, I brought and I had three big suitcases. I lived in this hotel and for the rest of the season. So for five months and I would travel with them. And like, when we went on the road, I would just pack up my car and check out of the hotel. And then when we get back to the new room, love my three, like Wait, you would leave a- your
1: stuff in your car while you yes. went on the road.
0: Yeah. Cause I couldn't keep it in my there because wives. they had are you, rooms guys, to-
1: are you yeah. guys listening <laughs> to this? Cause this is the reality of the dream.
0: Oh, yeah. So that was one of the most unique years of my life. Like, I just, I can't believe it. And then the next year I moved to Charlotte because it was official, official.
1: So something you brought up, the the aspect of freelancing, because yes, yeah. you, you know, are working full-time hours. I mean, if if you plugged in your hours, I mean, you know, it would oh, yeah. amount to obviously a full-time job, but there's this freelance aspect of your position where you can go out and, you know, take in other opportunities. You can, you can kind of keep your options open in a way that when you're under contract or you are are working a, a more standard full time job, you can't necessarily. So, right? How have you approached that aspect of your job, and how have you gotten better at approaching that aspect of your job? you know, now in your fourth season with the Hornets versus your first?
0: Going freelance was so scary. I remember after that first season where I lived in the hotel, then the next year they were like, okay, you either have to go freelance to continue to be the sideline reporter, the host and move to Charlotte and then that'll be it. Or you can be a digital reporter like what you were doing. So of course I was like, okay, I want to be a sideline reporter. I'm going to go freelance. So no health benefits, like nothing like that. You don't get a yearly... I mean, you don't get paid unless you're working. So I get, which I think this is sometimes, you know, a misconception and what people don't realize is if I don't work a game, I'm not getting paid. Mm -hmm. Um, like during the COVID year, it was the scariest year ever because not only if you tested positive, like you were left in that city and it was terrifying, but it's like you were out of work for 10 days and that's five, six, seven, I mean, however many games, like, so, it's good and it's bad. It's, it has its positives and negatives, just like everything, but you know, that's great because you get to work this, like my, my obligation is to the Hornets. So I have to do these games, but then in the off season, um, you know, you could choose to save up and not work a single thing, take all those months off and get the next season. Um, which is really hard for me. I am a workaholic and I need to be better at taking some time off because, same. Like this season, I did not take time off, and I am feeling it. Like I sound sick right now. I just am feeling it for sure. But well, um, same.
1: After this guy won the championship, all my friends were like, "Are you going to go on vacation? Are you going to do this?" And now the <laughs> same like, thing no. this year. They're like, "You haven't taken a vacation in two years," and I'm like, "But how am I going to say no to covering the Bulls?
0: Like, what do you? Know. Do you really that's expect me thing.
1: to say no to covering the Bulls? Like, absolutely yeah. not."
0: like I don't say I don't say no especially like early in the career I did not say no to anything and I still don't like I've such a hard time cuz I'm like it's such a good opportunity and it's one of those things in freelance which I'm sure you can attest to this too I'm like if I say no now they're not going to ask me again, like 100% you, oh and it's it's that is how the business is like if you <laughs> pass up an opportunity it is very rare they're going to come back around so I'm like get your foot in the door with every single network position opportunity, whatever it is. So, um, I do some country music television stuff in the summer, which is so much fun. And then I've been doing this college football show, um, which it's been, it's been challenging for sure. Juggling that with basketball this year, like this week, I, on Friday I'm flying up to do the show and then Saturday at six AM I fly back and we do the game the next day. So, um, that part has been a little bit challenging, but it's just one of those things like I couldn't say no to. So the freelance life is as vigor as challenging as you want it to be, because you don't have to seek out these opportunities. But like, as soon as I started freelancing, I was like, okay, what are my sources of income? I was like, I'm only getting paid for the basketball season. And yes, I'm going to put money aside as if I wasn't going to get paid the rest of the year. But in my mind, I was like, I got to get more, I got to get more. So that's kind of like the freelancer mindset, I guess, if you will.
1: So I'm curious, because I do think that there's discussion to be had about some of like the toxic conditioning that we experience in the industry of like, like you said, being overworked and not saying no to opportunities. So when do you know that you're you, you need to say no for yourself. Like, how do you Mm -hmm. tell the difference between, you know, taking advantage of an opportunity because you genuinely want to, and, you know, trying to take advantage of an opportunity because you feel like you have to, and then, you know, by way you're, you're missing out on, on that valuable rest that
0: is important. So so important. And if I'm being completely honest, Annie, I, I'm trying to figure that out now. Like I'm Mm -hmm. definitely struggling with that now because I think in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm 30. I'm not married yet. Like I don't have any kids. So I'm like, this is the time where I'm going to, which it's not great, but like work myself to basically exhaustion and say yes to everything and do everything because I'm like, there's nothing weighing me Mm -hmm. down right now. yeah. Yeah. And so I'm not saying that's the right way by any means, but that's just kind of how I've gone about it. Cause I know in the next couple of years, like having a family and, and all that is going to be my number one priority. So things will 100% shift. If I'm lucky enough to like be a mom one day, Um, that's like a dream of mine that I want so bad. And so when that happens, I know things are going to shift for me and I'm going to have to say no to things. So I think right now I'm like, oh my God, do everything, do everything. But because I just know that that's going to come and, and it's going to be that time where I'm not going to be able to do everything. So I'm struggling with it. I'm not going to lie to you.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I can't lie either. That's something, like I said, I, I really struggle with. And even when I do take time off, I feel so incredibly guilty about it. It's really hard. And it like anything else, it takes practice, especially, like I said, when we are conditioned to think so strongly one way. And, you know, unraveling that is a process. It's not something as simple Mm -hmm. as, oh, my friend Ashley said this to do this. I'm going to go do that and then it's going to work. It's like a slow unwinding of some of these, you know, qualities that aren't necessarily benefiting us all the time. You know, I'm not telling anyone out there to not be, you know, invested or dedicated or eager Right. It's just all a balance. And we all have a different equation that equals our peace of mind. You know, like your equation to peacefulness is going to be different than my equation to peacefulness. And your equation to success is going to be different than my equation to success. And the value in, again, all this trial and error and moving to Mississippi and moving back and saying yes to this and saying no to that is that You get to figure out what your equation is like. Yeah, that's what it is. It's like all of this, the sum of this, the deduction of that, like, what is it that brings you to your most peaceful state, your happiest state, you know, your most Mm -hmm. successful state? And again, like I wouldn't have figured that out if I didn't get told no here and yes here and maybe there and you know and just continue down the path the way that we have that perseverance like you mentioned um wrapping up yeah (laughs) I wanted to bring up a conversation you and I had in Mississippi because it's just something that always like makes me emotional when I think about it because we were just like young young women like trying to figure life out at that time. And I remember you and I, we were having a conversation about where we wanted to be and what we wanted to do. I remember you were talking about your dream of, of becoming a sideline reporter and you, you brought up, you know, you brought up that comparison that we always do about ourselves of like, Oh, this person got there this way. And I just, Remember you saying, like, what, when is it going to happen? And, and how is it going to happen for me? And, and why hasn't it happened? Like, we were just having this honest conversation. So, my question for you is, if you were to overhear a conversation between those same two young women, yeah. what would your advice be to that young woman that you were who was having that thought of, why not me why not yet what is what is that saying
0: like comparison is the thief of joy or something yeah. like yeah yeah i i think that is so important and then just like the simple you know don't don't give up speech like there's just not there's no like sugar coated way of saying you know just don't give up like keep going for it if this is what you truly want And I think it takes a certain kind of person to do this. Like they, when I think about the 10 people in my class back at UGA, like I said, there was like 15 to 30 split up into two classes. The amount of us that are still in a on-air broadcast position is, I, I think there's like four, five maybe. And then the ones that are in sports there's two myself and one other person like and that is not a knock on anyone else because some people get into this and they realize like it's not what they want to do which is totally fine like I just time is so precious and there are so many things that I've realized in this job of like of what's important and I mean we could go on for another hour about the fact that like yes we love our jobs but it is just a job like yeah there are lot more important things in life too and it took me a couple years like being in the business to realize that but I remind you know my friends in the business daily too like it's a cool ass job don't get me wrong like I love my job more than anything in the world I think what we're doing Annie is like when I think about us on 4th of July talking about it and the fact that we're living it. And like, just to anyone who's listening to this, we got to cover the Chicago Bulls Hornets game a couple of weeks ago and like started tearing up on the sideline because we were both on the sideline, like covering this game. And it was just the most surreal moments. Like I just got goosebumps thinking about it. It's like so- I could like cry right now thinking about it. I know. I know. I'm like, like, we, it was just the, one of the best moments ever. And so, you know, I'm just, it's like, everybody has a different path to get there. Um, but if you are willing to work your ass off and do what it takes, like you can do it too. I just, I truly believe that. And I think that, like I said, it takes a certain person. I feel like to, um, to keep going to like, to, to make it in this business. I do. And that's okay if that's not for you, but if you're willing to like give whatever it takes to do it, I think the sky's the limit.
1: Before I let you go, I want to end with a question about your future. And this is just something that I've gotten into the habit of thinking about because again, like the little girl, like when I was 15 years old, I had the dream to work at the sun times and it's so weird. And I just said this the other day, but it's so weird because Again, I got to the Iowa and I was like, Oh, I'm going to be a broadcaster. Like that's where yes. I thought I had to be as a woman. And, but that 15 year old me who just started to dream this dream was like, I'm going to work at the Sun Times. I remember saying that out loud at 15 years old. And so accomplishing that dream is so oh. surreal because you're like, it's literally your, your like fairy tale dream. Like yeah. when you're a little kid and you're like, I want to be Britney Spears when I grow up or I want to be, you know, Beyonce when I grow up. And like when I was little, I, w- I said I'm going to work at the Sun Times and I'm working here. And so yeah. my question for you is having accomplished your dream of all dreams, how do you mold that dream? Like what's yeah. what's pushing you? What's what's next for you? What do you want to see unfold as your career does over the next 10,
0: 15, 20 years. Easy. I know people, people ask that quite a bit. And it's like the first couple of years when people ask that, I'm like, Oh, I just got here. Like, I'm just going to enjoy this moment. And, you know, now it's one of those things. It's like, if I were with the Hornets for the next 20 years, like amazing, what a career. Um, but also there's I definitely have aspirations of like working in other sports along with basketball. Like I, basketball is my one true love in this world. And I just, I love everything about the sport, but I've really enjoyed like this college football stuff that I've been doing. So I think dabbling in that would be amazing. I think doing like national basketball games would be amazing. Um, you know, like being called to do like a playoff game or something or covering that. I just, that in my mind is kind of the next step. Um, But like I said, I I definitely, and I think this is something people need to know is like appreciate where you are at too. Like don't Mm -hmm. always, I did that in Mississippi every day. I was like, oh my God, I can't wait for the next thing. I can't wait for the next thing. And it's just like, sometimes, I mean, as hard as it is, if like the situation is not where you are wanting to be, it's so hard not to be like that, but just try to enjoy the moment as much as you can, because it flies by in a heartbeat and it's like, then you're there and then, you know, you're, you're wanting for the next thing. And like, you're just wanting more and more. And it's like, just try to enjoy the moment as much as you can. But, um, in my mind, I think that would be maybe doing some other sports or like, yeah, national games would be cool. So I'm putting that out there. Manifest.
1: <laughs> Being <laughs> present is, is a very important quality. It's also okay to, reframe and and think differently about future goals and so this is my last question for you because I'm just curious what your advice would be sorry I keep like asking one more (laughs) one more I always do this and no it's
0: it's the journalist in you
1: the players on this guy I'm thinking of right now because I'm always like okay one more and then they're like Annie you said one more like five minutes ago um but but yeah my last question for you is is what advice do you have for young people who are continuing to mold their dream? Like how, how would you advise young people to go about, you know, thinking about the evolution of their dreams Mm -hmm. and,
0: and how to evolve with them? Like we were talking about the whole, you know, learning to eventually say no to some things, whatever it may be. Young Ashley, like young Annie in their careers, like, do not say no to things. Like, even if it's not what you think your end goal is going to be, that's okay. Like it'll lead you to something else. Or if anything, it'll be like, okay, wait, this is not what I want to do. Like say yes to everything. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I just think it comes to a point in your life where you're at a place, like where you're comfortable at and you feel like you've had a good amount of success where you can afford to say no, but young people in their career, like do not say no. I mean, even if you can't see what the next step is going to be out of it, just know that something can come out of it because, you know, it, it's hard to obviously predict the future or see what, what can come out of something. But I just think young journalists or young writers or whoever in your career, even, I mean, any field it's like, yeah, young professionals, um, it's like yeah, say saying
1: yes, yes because mm-hmm whether it's professionally or personally saying yes is going to show you so much about yourself. It's going to teach you so many lessons about yourself, about the world, about who you are and who you have yet to become. So I completely agree. And I'm so glad that we're ending on that note because there's so much power in saying yes and saying yes. Now helps you saying yes as, as a young individual, young professional helps you to learn what to say no to as as you grow older, as you learn what your boundaries are, as you learn what brings you joy, as you learn what, like we said, what what your dreams are and what what they continue to evolve to be. So Ashley, wow, I am so (laughs) glad we did this. So great, me too. This is going to be one of our longest episodes and I'm so glad it's with (laughs) you because it just was a candid conversation. I didn't even feel like it was an interview. So- I'm so thankful that you gave your time to Equal Play. I know how busy you are. It was your one day off no, and you amazing. spent time talking with us. So I just, I'm so thankful for you and I'm so thankful for this conversation.